السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ ہاؤ آر یو آر ڈوئنگ الحمد للہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم اهد قلبي وسدد لساني واسرل سخيمه قلبي امين يا رب العالمين سو so, الحمد لله in our previous class we covered the topic of غسل الميت which is bathing the deceased And Alhamdulillah, we covered several abuab related to that. And today, inshallah, we will complete that section and we will begin the uh, section on the takfinul mayyit, which is shrouding the deceased, inshallah. Inshallah, I'll also try to demonstrate to you how exactly the shrouding is to be done. We will begin with bab number 13 in Kitabul Janais. Bab number 13. Bab yaj'alul kafura fi akhirihi. يَجْعَلُ الْكَافُور Meaning the person who is bathing the deceased will put kafur fi akhirihi in the last one. Meaning in the last washing, the person who is washing the deceased is going to put kafur. And kafur, which is known as camphor in English, it's basically a white dry powder which smells very much like Vicks. Have you ever smelled Vicks? So it smells very much like that. And I mentioned this to you earlier also that it is like a disinfectant and it is also fragrant. So let's look at the hadith. حدثنا حامد بن عمر حدثنا حماد بن زيد عن أيوب عن محمد عن أم عطية قالت توفيت إحدى بنات النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أم عطية reported that one of the daughters of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم passed away. فخرج so he came out فقال and he said اغسلناها ثلاثا او خمسا او اكثر من ذلك wash her three or five times or even more than that meaning if necessary in raaytunna if you see meaning if you see the need then wash even more than five times and wash her with bima'in wa sidrin with water and sidr waj'alna fil akhirati kafura and put in the last washing kafur meaning in the final rinse add to the water kafur also أو شيئاً من كافور or something of kafur meaning very little if you can find very little then put only that much فإذا فرغتنا فأذنني then when you are done when you are finished washing her then inform me قالت أمي عطية said فلما فرغنا أذناه when we finished washing her we informed him فألقى إلينا حقوه so he threw to us meaning he gave to us his حقو his waist wrapper فَقَالَ And he said, أَشْعِرْنَهَا إِيَّاهُ He said, shroud her in it. Meaning her inner garment should be the izal of the Prophet ﷺ. So we see in this hadith, as we saw in many of the previous hadith, that in the last washing, in the final rinse, kafur should be added. And of course, if kafur is not available, then any other fragrant substance can be added to the water for the purpose of cleaning as well as applying fragrance. on the body. One thing I want you to notice over here is that the Prophet ﷺ himself did not wash his daughter. Isn't it so? He instructed the women who were going to wash her with certain instructions. Because as we learned earlier, that the general principle is that a woman is to be washed by women and a man is to be washed by men. 
And the only exception is the case of the husband and the wife. وعن أيوب عن حفصة عن أم عطية رضي الله عنهما بنحوه أيوب reported from حفصة who reported from أم عطية something that is similar وقالت إنه قال and she said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said اغسلنها ثلاثا أو خمسا أو سبعا أو أكثر من ذلك إن رأيتن that in the other narration he said that wash her three, five or seven times or even more than that if you see the need because sometimes it so happens that the body of the deceased is you know covered with some medication or it is soiled or there is a lot of dirt on it or there is blood coming out of it so sometimes there is a need to wash even more than seven times the goal the objective of washing is to clean the body qalat hafsatu qalat ummu atiyah radiyallahu anha waj'alna ra'saha thalathata qurun and she said that we plaited her hair into three braids and from here the issue of the hair. How is the hair supposed to be cleaned and washed? Bab naqdi sha'aril mar'a. Naqd is to untie. And basically what is meant is to undo the hair of the woman. So naqdi sha'aril mar'a, undoing the hair of the woman. Meaning if a woman has passed away and her hair has been braided, meaning it was braided from before, then before washing, is it allowed to undo the hair, open them up so that the scalp can be washed properly, the hair can be washed properly? Sometimes the hair is covered with a certain substance, maybe there's a lot of oil or some kind of a gel or something. So for that reason, in order to clean the hair, in order to wash it properly, is it allowed to open up the braids? That's the question. So the answer is that yes, it is allowed, because if the hair is braided such that the water cannot reach the scalp, or the hair cannot be washed properly, then the purpose, the objective of the ghusl will not be achieved. Isn't it so? So it is necessary in some conditions to undo the hair. Also remember that undoing the hair is important. Why? Why? Sometimes, you know, a woman has braided her hair, alright, and um, maybe she will leave the braids, you know, for a week or ten days or so. If in that time she passes away, her hair is not going to look fresh. It's not going to look fresh. So undoing the hair, washing them, combing them, and then braiding them again, she will look much more beautiful. Isn't it so? She will look much more presentable. So undoing the hair of the dead person. وَقَالَ ابْنُ سِرِينَ لَا بَأْسَ أَنْ يُنْقَضَ شَعْرُ الْمَيِّتِ Ibn Sirin said that there is no harm in undoing the hair of a dead person. Meaning this is not disrespecting the body. There is no sin over here, there is no issue over here, it's completely permissible. Haddathana Ahmad, Haddathana Abdullah ibn Wahbin, Akhbarana ibn Jurajin, Qala Ayyubu, Wasamirtu Hapsata bin Tasirin, Qalat Haddathatna Ummu Atiyata radiallahu anha. So Hapsa, who was the daughter of Sirin. Do you notice something over here? She was the daughter of Sirin. And there is also Ibn Sirin. Right? Ibn Sirin is a great scholar. His sister, Hafsa, was also a great scholar. And we learn about many great scholars that their sisters were also very knowledgeable. So much so that sometimes if the male scholars were asked a certain question and their sister knew about that matter, then those scholars would say, ask my sister about it. Because she knows more about this issue. 
So she said that حَدَّثَتْنَا أُمُّ عَطِيَّةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا Umm Atiyah reported to us that أَنَّهُنَّ جَعَلْنَا رَأْسَ بِنْتِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم ثلاثة قرون They had made the head of the daughter of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم into three braids. Basically they had divided her hair into three braids. And then she explained that نَقَضْنَهُ Before putting it into three braids, they undid the head, meaning the hair, ثُمَّ غَسَلْنَهُ Then they washed it. ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَهُ ثَلَاثَةَ قُرُونَ And then they put it into three braids. So she mentions the entire process over here, that the first thing they did is that they opened up her hair, then they washed it, and then they put it into three braids. So this is something that is to be done in the ghusl. Now, one issue that comes up is that if we're allowed to undo the hair in order to wash them properly, are we allowed to trim the nails, to wash the skin under the nails properly? Is that permissible? And if, for example, a man, his mustache is extremely long, right? that it is clearly contradicting the sunnah, that it's covering his mouth again and again, would it be permissible to trim the mustache? Then some others, you know, they discussed uh, as to is it permissible to remove the hair uh, from the pubic areas? So these are sometimes real questions. You know, if a person has been sick, let's say for two months, they had no family or no one near them, around them who could actually clean them properly, then can these things be done? So Ibn Baz, rahimahullah, he was asked about something similar and he said that there is no evidence to indicate that the hair from the pubic area should be removed. He said, or the nails should be trimmed. Meaning there is no proof from the sunnah that tells us that we can trim the hair or the nails of the deceased person. He said there is no proof of that. However, he said if the nails are trimmed a little, there is nothing wrong with that. Why? Because trimming the nails is a form of tamleef. It is part of cleaning oneself. Isn't it so? Which is why many people include trimming their nails in their Friday rituals. That on Friday they're supposed to take a shower, right? And in hadith we learn that uh, we sh- you should really clean yourself. So people pay attention to this also. Even though it's not legislated to trim your nails on Friday. But some people make this a part of their Friday routine. That they will also trim their nails. Why? Because it's a part of cleaning yourself. But this doesn't mean that you don't trim your nails on Thursday if they're too long. Or on Wednesday if they're too long. Your nails are really long, right? And you're handling raw meat. And you're working in the kitchen and there's stuff getting in your nails. And you're leaving it there and you're not trimming your nails because you're like, no, I'm going to trim it on Friday. That's not okay. So Ibn Ba'as said that if they are trimmed a little, there is nothing wrong with that. He also said that some of the scholars stated that the nails and mustache should be trimmed. So some scholars actually said that it's good to trim the mustache for the men and the nails for men and women. And he said as for shaving the parts of the body, the pubes, he said it is not prescribed to do these things in the case of the one who is deceased. So as for the dead person, you're not going to start shaving their armpits or their pubic area 
The reason being that this cannot be done without actually looking at the area. And this is kind of violating a person's privacy. This is violating a person's privacy. So yes, the bath is to be given, but it doesn't mean that you start you know, invading their body. The body should not be invaded. And remember that when it comes to even washing the private part or washing the body, I mentioned this to you earlier, that that body has to be covered at all times. The awra must be covered. So for the man, from the navel to the knee, must be covered at all times. And for a woman, from her neck down to as far down as possible under the knees, this area should be covered. So, I mean, the concern should not be to completely clean the body and start removing the hair and everything. No, the goal is to wash the body. And yes, if the nails are excessively long and they're looking dirty and there's dirt stuck under them, that's okay. That much can be done. So in this bab we learn about undoing the hair, this may be done. you have a question? Question is, is there a reason why a father cannot wash his daughter right? or a brother, his sister? I mean, um, like I mentioned, the body is covered when washing. However, it's not fully covered. Like for example... For a woman, you know, from her neck down, she's covered. And then, uh, you know, the body is being touched. You have to wash the arms, the shoulders, the head, the feet, the legs. And like I mentioned earlier that in certain situations, uh, you know, the, the private part also has to be washed. So it's not appropriate that a man who is your brother or who's your father is washing you in those areas. Even though gloves are being worn, it's not really respectful. And the Prophet ﷺ himself did not wash his daughter. Right? I mean, if you think about it, could there be a greater honor? I mean, for his daughter, that her father, the Prophet of Allah, is washing her? This would be a great honor. But he did not do so. Right? So this means that this is something that's not correct. And this teaches us in general also that, you know, coming in front of our male mahrams, even if that's your father or your brother, you should not go in front of them as you go in front of your husband. Exactly. Dress appropriately. There should be a level of haya even in front of your father and your brother in the sense that your neck should be properly covered, your shoulders, your arms should be covered, not that you're walking in sleeveless shirts in front of them. That's not appropriate. Bab, كيف الإشعار للميت? So how is the إشعار to be done for the mayyid? Now the question is, what exactly is إشعار? If you remember the hadith of Umi Atiyah, we have been reading the word أشعرناها. The Prophet ﷺ gave his izar and he said, أشعرناها إياه. Meaning, and I told you earlier, that شعار, as opposed to ديثار, شعار is the inner garment. Correct? The garment that touches your body. Okay? Like for example, if a person is wearing a vest, and on that they're wearing a t-shirt, an undershirt, alright, and then a shirt. So shi'ar is what? The undershirt. What you wear inside, what is directly touching your body. Now the Prophet ﷺ gave his izar, his own lower garment, and he said that that should be put as shi'ar for his daughter. So now the question is, how is the shi'ar supposed to be done? How is the shi'ar supposed to be put on a dead person? You understand what the issue is here? 
So in other words, the kafan, right? We're talking about shrouding the deceased. And remember I mentioned to you that there are three pieces of cloth that are used. So one, the first piece of cloth is the shaar, which is to be put on the body. And then there are two additional pieces of cloth with which the body is further covered. You understand? So this is the, the first piece of cloth, the inner cloth. How is that supposed to be put on? وَقَالَ الْحَسَنُ And Hassan, meaning Al-Hassan al-Basri, he said, الْخِرْقَةُ الْخَامِسَةُ He said the fifth piece of cloth, تَشُدُّ بِهَا الْفَخِذَيْنِ وَالْوَرِكَيْنِ تَحْتَ الدِّرْعِ He said that the fifth piece of cloth will be used to tie, تَشُدُّ بِهَا To tie around the فَخِذَيْن What is the فَخِذْ? Thigh. And the wari cane. Warik, the hips. Tahta diri, under the shirt. Now what is this talking about? Remember I mentioned to you that many scholars say that a woman is to be shrouded in, in five pieces of cloth. However, I mentioned this to you earlier that this opinion is based on a weak hadith, a weak narration. And secondly, it is the opinion of scholars. How did they come to this conclusion? They said that the Prophet ﷺ gave his izar. So that izar, if the izar is to be put on his daughter, that means with the izar is a shirt. Right? So they said, for a woman, you also have to put a shirt on her. And they said, a woman, she also has to wear a hijab. Alright? So they said, three inner garments for the woman. And then two on top to wrap the body. You understand how they came to five? So Hassan al-Basri also said that there's going to be five pieces of cloth to wrap a woman in. Okay? So he said there's going to be an izar. And this is what he's describing over here. That the izar will be used to wrap the, the thighs, meaning the lower section of the body. And then a shirt will also be put on her to cover the upper part of the body. And then a khimar will also be used to cover the head. So this is the opinion of many scholars. Now, remember that this is, Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen said that this of course is based on a hadith that is not sahih. All right? He said, if that hadith is sahih, then yes, a woman is going to be shrouded in five pieces of cloth. But if it is proven that that hadith is not authentic, then we have to realize that for men and women are the same rules unless there is something that is specified. So Sheikh Albani also was of the opinion that a woman is also to be shrouded in three pieces of cloth. In fact, he said that a person, man or woman, should not be shrouded in more than three pieces of cloth. The reason being that in the sunnah, that is what we learn. Nothing more than three. We find two, one, three, but not more than three. And in fact, when we look at this hadith of Ummi Atiyah, it makes sense that it was only three pieces of cloth that the Prophet's daughter, was buried in. The reason being, the Prophet gave his izar, and he didn't say, put it as izar for her. What did he say? Put it as shi'ar for her. You understand? And what is shi'ar? 
what's on the inside, and that means that there is something that's going to go on top of it. So the shi'ar is the wrapper or the piece of cloth with which the body is covered. And then two more pieces of cloth are used to cover the entire body, to wrap the body in. You understand? So here, Imam Bukhari brings the hadith, the same hadith, حدثنا أحمد حدثنا عبد الله بن وهب أخبرنا ابن جريج أن أيوب أخبره قال سمعت ابن سيرين يقول جاءت أم عطية رضي الله عنها ابن سيرين said that أم عطية came and who is أم عطية she is امرأة من الأنصار she's a woman among the Ansar من اللاتي بايعنا and she's of those women who gave the pledge gave the pledge بايعوا to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم so he said that Qadimatil Basra, she came to Basra, and this is after the Prophet ﷺ's death. She came to Basra to Badirubnallaha and she came to Basra looking for her son. Falam Tudriku, but she didn't find him there. But while she was there, people met her, she met people, she taught them what she knew, what she had witnessed from the Prophet. ﷺ. So on the same visit, Fahaddathatna, so she reported to us. قالت دخل علينا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم entered on us ونحن نغسل ابنته while we were washing his daughter bathing his daughter ونحن نغسل ابنته while we were bathing his daughter فقال so he said اغسلناها ثلاثا أو خمسا أو أكثر من ذلك he said to us wash her three or five times or more than that إن رأيتنا if you see the need for that in رَأَيْتُنَّ ذَلِكَ بِمَا إِنْ وَسِدْرٍ with water and sidr. وَجَعَلْنَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ كَافُورًا and put in the last water in the last rinse kafur. فَإِذَا فَرَغْتُنَّ فَأَذِنَّنِي when you are finished then inform me قَالَتْ فَلَمَّا فَرَغْنَا أَلْقَى إِلَيْنَا حَقْوَهُ when we were done he threw to us meaning he passed to us his izab فَقَالَ so he said أَشْعِرْنَهَا إِيَّاهُ see these words أَشْعِرْنَهَا إِيَّاهُ he did not say he did not say, put it as an izar for her. وَلَمْ يَزِدْ عَلَى ذَلِكَ And he did not add anything to that. Meaning, nothing, no more instructions were given that there should be a shirt and a headscarf and this and this. No. He just said, أَشْعِرْنَهَا إِيَّاهُ Put this on the inside. وَلَا أَدْرِي أَيُّ بَنَاتِهِ And he, meaning Ibn Sirin, made it clear that I do not know which of his daughters that was. And we learn from other narrations that this was which daughter? Zainab radiallahu anha. وَزَعْمَ أَنَّ الْإِشْعَارَ And he said that إِشْعَارَ means أُلْفُفْنَهَا فِيهِ Wrap her in it. Okay? He understood إِشْعَارَ to be wrapping the body. So he did not understand this to be just the izar. Alright? وَكَذَلِكَ كَانَ بْنُ سِرِينَ and just like that, Ibn Sirin Ya'muru, he would instruct Bil Mar'ati for a woman that Antushara wala tu'zara. Ibn Sirin would say, based on this narration that he heard from Umm Atiyah, he would say, whenever a woman had to be shrouded, he would say that she should be Tushara, there should be an inner garment to wrap her body in. Wala tu'zara. There is no separate izar. Understand? He just said there's one piece of cloth on the inside. There aren't two pieces of cloth for a woman. Clear? 
Tushara wala tu'zara. What is ish'ab? Inner garment. What is izab? Lower garment. Which by definition means there also has to be an upper garment. Ibn Sirin said, put the shi'ar. Tushara. One garment is sufficient to cover her. He didn't say there has to be izab and a shirt. Clear? Yes. One piece of cloth to wrap her on the inside and then two more to wrap the rest of the body. What's happening is that many scholars said that a woman is to be wrapped up in five. Okay? Why? They said the Prophet ﷺ gave his izah and so it should be put as izah. So consider this as the izah. They said this is the izah. A woman is wrapped in it. Okay? This is her lower garment. Consider this to be her waistline. Okay? This is her shirt. Okay? Her head is here. So it's going to be, of course, neck down. Okay? And then they said, two more cloths. They also put a hijab on her. Two more cloths. One this way, or depending on their size, this way. Okay? And this is actually at the bottom. I'll show it to you properly, inshallah. And then one this way. And another one coming from the bottom. And then basically, you tie it here and then here. Okay? So this way with the hijab, the shirt, and the izab, how many? And then two more to wrap the body, how many? Five. But Ibn Sirin and other scholars, they said that no. The Prophet ﷺ gave the izab and he said, Ash'irnaha. Ash'irnaha means wrap her. Right? So this is the inner wrapper for a man. For a man and woman, now I'm going to demonstrate to you how exactly the coffin is to be put on. Okay? It's the same for men and women. First of all, a shi'ar. Okay? Inner garment, which is to be used to wrap the body. For a man, it is just going to cover, meaning the main part that needs to be covered, is from the navel to the knee. It can be as small as that. It doesn't have to be that small. It can be that small. So there is the shi'ar. For the man, navel to the knee, minimum. For a woman, from neck down, almost up to her feet, or even her feet included, better. But basically, her body is going to be covered with that. You understand? So this is the shi'ar. For a man, it can be small. But for a woman, it should be Big, right? To cover her body. Okay, so now let me demonstrate to you how exactly this is going to be done. If there is a body here, okay, it's been washed. After being washed, it has been dried. And remember that while it is being washed, it is covered at all times. For a man, at least from the navel to the knee, and for a woman, from neck down to the feet. Now, of course, that piece of cloth is going to be wet. So it has to be replaced and a proper shi'ar has to be put on. So typically what is done is, because the body is there, what is done is that the kafan, the piece of cloth, the first one is rolled from both sides so that it is easy to insert it under the body. The body is lifted, okay, from one side, from one side, so let's say from the right side, and then the cloth is put under the body. All right, and that side which was rolled is unrolled. Then the body is lifted 
from the other side. Alright? And then the cloth is unrolled from there. So you see how? You have it now under the body open. See how this is done? Now, this can actually be done with all three. All three pieces of cloth can be put this way. You understand? So just imagine that this was rolled from both sides. Okay? was unrolled. And now we have three pieces of cloth under the body. Okay? How many do we have under the body? Three. Now let us assume that this was the piece of cloth covering the body during the washing. Okay? During the washing, this was covering the body. For a man, it's small. For a woman, it's big. So now what is done? The first piece of cloth is taken from under the body, and this is the shi'ar. Okay? So what's going to happen? going to cover the body. Okay? So this is one way. Another way that people do it is that they actually make a small hole over here, okay, on the side of the head, and then they bring it on from the side of the head. Alright? And then through the hole, what they do is that they take the head up. Alright? So this is the shi'ar. You understand what's happening? There's a small hole over here. They will not bring it from the right and left side of the body. Instead, they will bring the cloth over the body from where? From the side of the head. And through the hole, the head is brought out. Why? So that the family can see the head or the face one more time. Alright? And then from this side, from the right and the left side towards the bottom, the body is wrapped up. Okay? Now what about the wet piece of cloth that's inside? That is removed. You put your hand in and you just take it out. Clear? This is out. So now this is the shi'ar, the inner garment that has properly covered the body. You understand? So now this is done. Okay? Now, of course, these sheets are big. Okay? So the second one now is closed from the right and the left side. Alright? The right side is brought on top, the left side is brought on top. And then again, the third one, the right side and the left side. And then what is done? At the bottom, at the bottom, either a knot is made or a string can be tied. Alright? To make sure that the coffin does not open. Likewise, from the side of the head, again, a knot can be made or a string can be tied. But what can be done is that at least from this side, from the side of the head, the way the shroud is put on, you can remove or you can open it up to see the face of the person. You can still open it because see, it's unstitched, right? This is why the coffin is, at least the outer two, are unstitched so that you can open them up if needed and see the face of the dead person. Okay? But it should be covered. Now, additional strings or ropes can also be tied in the waist, towards the knees, and also on the side of the chest to make sure that the coffin does not open up. You understand? So additional ties can also be put on to make sure that the coffin does not open up. Okay? Now, this is ideal. 
you have big sheets and you have a big shi'ar and the outer sheets are also big. So you see how one side is coming over the other side. So this way, there is no chance that the body will get exposed. But if let's say, people cannot find sheets that are big enough, they cannot find sheets that are big enough, then what will happen? It is not necessary to wrap the body only in this manner. Meaning, bringing it from the right side and then from the left side. It's not mandatory to do that. The objective is that the body should be should be covered. So if it should be brought this way and that way and then this way, one from the side of the head and the feet and the other from the side, from the right and left side, it's okay. Because the goal is to, is to cover the body. Properly covered so it does not get exposed. Any questions so far? Is it clear? Clear? Is it clear? Okay, alhamdulillah. So here in this hadith, Ibn Sirin said, وَكَذَلِكَ كَانَ بْنُ سِرِينَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْمَرْأَةِ أَن تُشْعَرَ وَلَا تُؤْزَرَ So this is how a man or a woman should be shrouded in three pieces of cloth. Now remember that, as I mentioned to you, majority of the people do prefer five pieces of cloth for women. If you want only three, then you should make that clear to your family. So that there is no dispute afterwards. Understand? And if you do take one of your relatives or friends who have passed away for their ghusl and takfin, and the organization or the people who are appointed over there, they insist that it should be five pieces of cloth for a woman. Don't cause an argument over there. Because scholars did say that for a woman, five should be used. But if you want only three, you want to be closer to the sunnah, then make that clear to your family. You see, when you wear a dress, a long dress, hmm? you wear long dresses, how many pieces of cloth is it? I mean, how many pieces is it? It's one. Typically, you wear a shirt and a skirt or a pant or a shirt and a shalwar or whatever it is. right? But there is also the concept of woman wearing one dress. Now, that one dress is big enough to cover her body. Isn't it? And we see that in all of these narrations regarding the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, there is only this one statement that is repeated again and again, أَشْعِرْنَهَا إِيَّاهُ And then look at the understanding of Ibn Sirin. He's a tabiri, great scholar. And he would instruct that a woman is to be تُشْعَرْ وَلَا تُؤْزَرْ He didn't specify that there should be an izar and a shirt. He just said one in a garment to wrap the body in. And as for the hijab, I mean... Hijab, a woman wears when she goes in front of non-mahram. When she goes outside her house. Hijab is not a woman's... It's not a requirement for you to have a hijab with every garment that you have. You understand? It's not like with every dress you must have a hijab. No, your dress is complete without the hijab also. You understand? Hijab you need... When you're going in front of men or when you're going outside and you can literally possess only one hijab and you can possess like 50 dresses. You understand? Hijab is not a part of your everyday dress. It is something that you wear to cover yourself when you're going outside. Right? 
But here, when a woman has passed away, is the hijab necessary? Is it necessary? Not really. Because there are two sheets that are being used to cover her entire body, including her head and her face, her hands, her feet. All of it is going to be covered with those two pieces of cloth, which are big enough that they will cover her. You understand? So it's not something really to argue about. If people are insisting when somebody passes away that a hijab must be put on, then okay. You know, don't get stubborn over there and don't start arguing. But for your own self, if you prefer only three, then make that clear to your family. Yes. The question is about the kafan, that who provides for it. Technically, as we will learn, that the kafan is to come from the estate of the deceased. Meaning whatever property a person has left behind, whatever money he has left behind, his kafan is to be purchased from his own money. Technically. All the funeral expenses have to be taken care of from his estate. Alright? Even the grave, the purchase of the grave, every expense related to the funeral has to be taken from the estate. And then the estate is going to be distributed amongst the heirs. Now the question is, can you gift a coffin to someone? Certainly you can. Can you gift a coffin to someone? Like for example, somebody passes away and you want to provide the coffin for them. Can you do that? Why not? Certainly you can. So in some masajid, it so happens that people donate the coffin. They will purchase like 50, 40 kafan and they will say, keep them with you. If anybody needs it, then you can provide it. And really sometimes it happens that somebody passes away and there's no kafan available. The family doesn't have it. Likewise, it's not available at the stores. So the masjid has like 20 farm donations. So can that be used? It can be used. Can you purchase that from the masjid? Yes, okay, sure. Can you purchase the kafan from somebody else? Yes, that can be done. But this is something we should pay attention to. But we have so many clothes, right? We have jackets for every season. Isn't it? We have jackets for every season. Dresses for every occasion. We should also have our last dress. Right? Our coffin. And you know what? Have it, you know, keep it in your closet. Keep it in your closet. Keep it in your drawers. This is actually my husband's ihram. And uh, he has kept two with him. And it's in one of the drawers at home in where the rest of the clothes are. And he brought it back from his last umrah also. He brought it back. He said, this is going to be the kafan if needed. So this is a reality that we should be prepared for. We have clothes for every occasion. We should also have our kafan ready for ourselves. Right? Keep it in your closet because you never know when that time will come. And then you don't want people running around, rushing around, trying to do these things for you and taking it as a burden. Hmm? So prepare a funeral package, you know, with the kafan, the cedar leaves. Alright? Kafur also, you can get kafur essence and you can also get the powder. Find out from a health food store or from a place where you can get these uh, oils. Find out if they have it. Keep one. At least one in your house. Because you, you never know. You don't know when this time will come. 
Right? So this is something we should be prepared for.